Welcome to the Buddha Sasana podcast. This talk was given by Bhikkhu Chintita in Chisago City, Minnesota. Since the experience of mindfulness is widely attested among modern practitioners and teachers, including by me, this raises the question within the constellation of factors implicated in. Sati Upatana and Samadhi, recollection attending and composure, where does mindfulness in the modern understanding arise? To answer this, we try to locate each of its attributed qualities within the Sati Upatana Samadhi system of early Buddhism. Note, when I say mindfulness in this talk, imagine quotes around the word. I'm not using mindfulness as a technical word, but more as a topic of conversation. Mindfulness is spoken by modern meditation teachers in various Buddhist traditions in the West, by clinical psychologists and personal consultants in the culture in general and in commercial circles now, and of course the equivalence of mindfulness in other Western languages like achtsamkeit. The uses of mindfulness in these various communities may or may not be more or less consistent. The only thing we know for sure is that they do not even vaguely correspond to Pali Sati. Let's look at the qualities attributed to mindfulness, starting with being present. Although this seems in some way or another, to characterize mindfulness, I have yet to see a coherent description of what this even means. For how can one not be present both in body and mind? Every thought, recollection, action, breath, bite, daydream, effort, impulse, or longing arises in the present moment. One possibility is that in being present, Attention is stabilized on some aspect of the current situation. Attention itself is an aspect of awareness that is present in any case, but attention has a focus, like any aspect of awareness, and what is in that focus may or may not be present in the current situation. This would exclude, for instance, placing our present attention on a past event which is possible, or on a person long dead but presently recollected. However, the focus of many of the exercises of Satipatthana would also be excluded, for these exercises depend on visualizing what is not apparent in itself as an aspect of the present situation. For instance, are we being present when we contemplate right now the body, and future states of decay. These exercises can be accomplished by visiting any local charnel ground, in which case corpses galore will be an aspect of the present situation. But the wording of the exercises 
as though he were to see a corpse thrown aside in a charnel ground, seems to intend internal visualization of such a situation. Are we being present when we contemplate the body parts that are below the skin? In the best meditation halls, we will have to rely on our, in most cases, limited knowledge of anatomy to bring them to mind. But let's look at another possibility, that is, that we are engaged in a deliberate task in the present moment in which attention is stabilized on the range of factors relevant to performing that task. Suppose we are, for instance, engaged presently in the task of contemplating future stages of decomposition. To perform that present task, we visualize things that are not of themselves part of the present situation, but are nonetheless relevant to the task at hand. This excludes default mode consciousness and mind-wandering, which are not deliberate tasks from being present, but includes anything that is relevant to Buddhist practice, including recollecting the Dharma. In fact, this account of being present is also an accurate description of what it means to attend to something upatana, which in turn is supported by ardency, clear comprehension, and non-distractedness. As far as I can see, being present according to this possible interpretation, is just attending to the task at hand with whatever resources support that task. Next, mindfulness is most often experienced and described as a state, generally a receptive state, rather than as a dynamic or active process, though there are instances in modern teachings where it is identified in terms of a set of techniques. Analio, for instance, sees mindfulness as not actively involved in the Satipatthana exercises at all, but rather as furnishing the condition of receptive and alert mental presence in which more specific meditation activities take place. It is something one is rather than something one does. In contrast, attending to something, upatana, or placing our attention on something is not a state, it is something we do moment by moment. The same is true of recollection, sati. Here is a way to tell if mindfulness is a state. If there is a crash in the next room, it can immediately draw our attention to itself, but it cannot draw our mindfulness. It can only disrupt it. Drawing mindfulness would be like drawing continuity of attention, which likewise could only be disrupted. If mindfulness is a state arising within the sati upatana samadhi complex, it would have to be found in samadhi, that is, composure, or at least one of its precursors, that is, in delight or serenity because these are states, recollection and investigation of phenomena, the initial factors of awakening are themselves dynamic processes, and accordingly give rise to the third awakening factor of energy, 
They are therefore something we do, and energy helps us do them. However, delight, serenity, composure, and equanimity are states arising as a result of the active processes of satipatthana. There is therefore a good initial argument for a rather odd conclusion. What if mindfulness is just composure, samadhi? In fact, this step would explain some of the other qualities attributed to mindfulness. Composure is a rarefied meditative state that is serene, stable, clear, and undistracted, while bringing various cognitive factors, delight, serenity, recollection, attentiveness, clear comprehension, non-distractedness, relevance of attention, and generally a high level of ardency, together into alignment or unification, so that these factors work more effectively in performing the task at hand, in contrast to the normal state of mind, which can be quite scattered. One of the qualities attributed to mindfulness is heightened awareness. In modern descriptions, mindfulness is a form of awareness, attention, or consciousness that is alert and receptive. Other descriptors applied are intense, active, curious, vigilant, and watchful, paying attention, lucid, and spacious. The toolbox factor of clear comprehension would be expected to heighten awareness, as would the factor of non-distractedness. But recall also that perceptual clarity is a quality of composure that develops as the mind becomes progressively less cluttered with thoughts and emotions, largely because of these toolbox factors, producing the state captured in the Still Mountain Pond simile that we've talked about in previous talks, in which shells, gravels, and pebbles, and also shoals of fish become clearly visible. Another quality attributed to mindfulness is bare awareness. Mindfulness is sometimes described as wordless or without interpretation, non-conceptual or intuitive. It is also described as a state in which each thought, feeling, or sensation that arises in the attentional field is acknowledged and accepted as it is, or accepted non-judgmentally. These attributes fall into a range from non-conceptual to conceptual, but without narrative elaboration. Essentially, if we can give something a name or note it, it must be conceptual, but we even there can stop at simply acknowledging the presence of something without exploring additional features and relations. In any case, it represents stepping back from our normal mental state, which is quite discursive. Composure represents a progressive attenuation of mental activity in four stages of jhana. The first jhana represents a narrowing of attention based on relevance, but not the loss of any particular cognitive faculty. It is still discursive. However, the second jhana represents the loss of discursive thought. It is noble silence, 
This would seem to qualify as bare awareness, but at a conceptual level, for we can still perceive, note, name, or otherwise acknowledge things, but without narrative elaboration. As mental activity is attenuated, we expect decision-making processes also to come to rest, and just as we do not elaborate what we acknowledge conceptually, we do not expect to respond emotionally or behaviorally to what we perceive. In this sense, we become non-judgmental as a quality of composure beyond the first jhana. I'm confused about how the stricter non-conceptual forms of bare awareness are supposed to work in special satipatthana practice. Each of the various satipatthana exercises involves observing or bringing to mind some aspect of the world of experience that is identified in conceptual terms, postures, body parts, different mental states, the five aggregates, and so on. Moreover, as noted in some of my earlier talks, the ability at least to perceive and note continues in all of the jhanas. So preconceptual awareness is not a characteristic of composure. However, it might arise in the context of a present task that specifically attends to sensual impressions prior to feeling and perception. Such tasks are in fact found within the special satipatthana exercises of examination of aggregates and examination of the sixfold sphere, described in my talks on satipatthana. This might be a rather obscure reference in the early Buddhist texts for non-conceptual awareness, but it is my view that these particular exercises are among the most consequential in the Satipatthana Sutta. So, what I've been doing is locating individual qualities attributed to modern mindfulness within the Samadhi and Upatthana complexes, composure and attending, since Sati seems to have largely dropped out of the picture through recent historical semantic change, and I have found them there, I would venture to conclude that mindfulness, for the most part, corresponds to the Pali Samadhi, composure, a state generally translated as concentration, insofar as this is conditioned through the active process of upatana attending. My understanding is that right samadhi is always conditioned through general satipatthana in the early Buddhist texts. If this is right, then we might just as well translate samadhi as mindfulness. This is a bit strange conclusion in that we started with the notion that right mindfulness was the seventh step of the Noble Eightfold Path and end with the notion that mindfulness is in fact the eighth step of the Noble Eightfold Path. But we trace this oddity back to the historical semantic shift from sati to samadhi and upatana. What is maintained is the notion that mindfulness is a hugely important aspect of Buddhist practice indeed, deserving its own place 
on the Noble Eightfold Path. A couple of qualifications are, however, in order before we equate mindfulness directly with samadhi. First, mindfulness is something samadhi-like, but it cannot be right samadhi or right composure. The following statement by the Buddha tells us why. And what bhikkhus is noble right composure with its supports and its accessories? There are right understanding, right attitude, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, and right recollection. The unification of mind equipped with these seven factors is called noble right composure with its supports and also with its accessories. Mindfulness has been developed in the modern context in which most of the other factors of the path have been largely neglected. In the modern context of mindfulness, we are commonly dealing with a deficient dharma. Particularly to the point right recollection has been seriously compromised, as we have described. Right recollection is sati melded with attending upatana in order to adapt recollection of the Dharma to moment by moment practice. The context of attending has been preserved as a conditioning factor of samadhi but the role of recollection itself is deprecated in the modern understanding of mindfulness. Second, since attending upatana or satipatana without sati is the conditioning factor of composure, definitions of mindfulness in terms of techniques are not far afield of defining mindfulness as composure. Attending involves ardency, clear comprehension, and putting aside covetousness and grief for the world. This manner of actively engaging the task at hand, in turn, is something we do, and when we do it, and all of our ducks are in a row, composure arises. Conditions, and therefore techniques for producing and shaping the shape of mindfulness are found in the attending complex. This is much as a state of inebriation arises when we are actively engaged in its conditioning factor of drinking alcohol. In any case, mindfulness is found in the fields of upatana and samadhi, not in sati, which is in accord with the historical account I have proposed. In conclusion, mindfulness can be more or less recovered in composure. Just keep in mind a couple of ways this statement needs to be finessed. First, right composure, strictly speaking, incorporates right everything else, and most of everything else is commonly neglected in mindfulness practice, so there is not a complete correspondence. Second, Mindfulness itself is not uniformly defined or experienced. Particular variants might be accounted for in terms of the particular practices that condition the particular states within composure that someone might experience and call mindfulness. 
For instance, mindfulness as preconceptual awareness is certainly a real experience, but it arises only through a particular practice task, such as examination of sense impressions. With a grain of salt, I suggest, mindfulness is samadhi. Next week, we'll take up a new topic.